0: Listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. I don't believe it.
1: The Knicks won a game. Big. Let's talk about it on ESPN New York Tonight. Along with Joel and Nikki, we're here to talk to you about things going on in the world of sports and Nick fans enjoy the win today. Because as I look at the scoreboard and once, as I told you here at ESPN, we've got like 75 TVs and monitors around. And one of the 75 was on the Lakers losing to Boston 139 to 107. Oh, by the way, Nick's are next. <laughs> okay. So enjoy that big 20-point Cleveland win you had today, Nick fans, because LeBron and the All-Star team is on their way to the Garden, and they're not going to be in a good mood. No, they aren't. And guess what? The following night, they've got the Brooklyn Nets in a TNT vehicle. So that's go. Oh, we got some interesting stuff. Want we'll to talk to you about a number of things on the, going on in the world of sports. We'll talk some little NBA with you. Want we'll to get your thoughts also a day after. Now that you had some time to mull over yesterday's final four action in the National Football League and just how, man, just, a, you know what? And it's so interesting because we are so creatures of the moment, right? Patrick Mahomes is an unbelievable quarterback. He's really good, but he's been in the league. What three years, four years? And already we're talking about the greatest of all time. Can we remember, remember when we had these conversations about greatest of all time? And part of it was longevity. Part of it was playing at an elite level for a number of years. And that was part of. You being a superstar that was part of you being among the greatest in that conversation because you played at a high level for a number of years consistently. And that's what did it. When Chris was talking about Derek Jeter tomorrow and going into being a, the voting going into him, going, for him going into the Hall of Fame. Okay. Why is he going into the Hall of Fame? What? Were there better shortstops than him? Yeah. I'm sure that, yeah, Alice Rodriguez was better. But when the light shined brightest, he came up big in the clutch. Year after year after year after year. And every year, we, there's some article come out. Derek Jeter, the most overrated shortstop in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I know, right, sure. But he's got hardware. So he wasn't that overrated, because if he was that overrated, he wouldn't be champion. So that's where, for me, and, I acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes is great. I mean, that move he made for the touchdown going into the half, 26-yard touchdown. He spun. He broke tackles. Not the greatest tackling. Not to take anything away from Mahomes. But, I mean, really? That was not the greatest exhibition of tackling that you've seen of a quarterback. Normally, people are lining up to lay the – oh, wait a minute. He's a runner? I can hit the quarterback because he's a runner now? Oh, let me load up. Let me – Let me do the forearm shiver. Let me just knock him down and make him crazy. They didn't do that. (laughs) They let him run through. But nevertheless, for me, longevity, that's what makes great. But if he continues the way he's going, he is going to be among the greatest to ever play the game. There's no question about that. His versatility. And here's the thing. He runs when he needs to. He ascertains when he's running. And then he that's when he does it. He doesn't just, okay, I'm just, you know what? I'm running. Let me just run. No. And even when he's running, he's looking down the field. You see him looking, looking. Oh, no eyes open. Okay. Watch it. Hey, look at all this green grass. I'm just going to the end zone. So we can talk about the, uh, um, NFL playoffs and now going forward. Last night on the drive, Joel, Giselle and I, we were having this thought process about who's going to win? What, gonna, you know, your prison of the moment. And I'm still, I'm still lost. I still, you know, I'm starting to, you know, get into this, Rhythm of doing the work. Of okay, let me break down this. Let me break down that. And you know, you've got you know San Francisco that runs the ball extremely well and has tough defense. You've got Kansas City who can put up points, you know, like it's a video game, and a pretty good defense. And you're like, this is like good offense beats good defense this is good defense beat good offense. I mean, it's 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 it should be on paper a great series. It should be. So, we okay, get your thoughts on that. Who you think is going to win? Also, as I mentioned, and look, as far as the Knicks are concerned with Mike Miller, here's the interesting thing for me watching him now, Coach. And this is the thing I like about him. He's like, if something doesn't go right, he calls the timeout right away. Hold it. Hold it. No, come over here. No, 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 no. There were a couple of plays in that game where nobody even thought about defense. I mean, they couldn't even, it wasn't even the concept. I mean, it was like they were watching. It was almost like they were in the in the film room watching somebody drive down the lane and nobody came over to stop them. They were just staring there looking like, wow, that's some move. he didn't do anything. But on the day when they... Finally, won a game and won a game big. You give them credit. Boy, is Cleveland struggling? It's. I know Kevin Love doesn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. But Kevin Love, if he doesn't start playing better, he's going to be in Cleveland a long time because nobody's going to trade for him. He looks awful. He's really not playing well. I know he wants out, but, man, you got to put forth a little better effort than that if you want to get out of Cleveland and get out of that situation because nobody's going to play. The way you're playing right now, it's like you don't care. It's like you're lost. So we'll talk next with you. The Nets really hitting some struggles right now. Kyrie Irving out again with a hamstring. We'll see if he's able to get back. I know, as I mentioned, they play the Lakers on Thursday. They lose today. Ben Simmons. Scores 34 in a triple double he's good and once he, and you see him starting to score a little bit more get more involved he, he's going to be tough 12 rebounds 12 assists and this Nets team is struggling right now because first of all they they've had injuries obviously but secondly they really haven't had time to build chemistry with each other because there's been so many different changes in the lineup and, you know, we, we've we talked about Spencer Dinwiddie and what he's been able to bring to the table. We've talked about Karis LeVert. And since he's been back, what he's been able to bring to the table. But it's just that in key moments, in key situations, they've just not been able to do and lock up folks and find a way to get wins. And so they are uh right now 18-24, and 24, and they've lost four straight. And they are ten and a half back right now, of the Toronto Raptors in the Atlantic. But it's look, it's All Star break. You know, you you if if you can just get your guys healthy and whole, coming out of the All Star break, where you could go on a run, you'll be okay. You can move up that chart rather easily. So I'm not really concerned about them yet. Not really concerned because they haven't. Listen, if Kyrie was playing and everybody was healthy and they were still struggling like this. Okay, then you'd have you'd be concerned. But they're just trying to find each other. They're trying to and they got a tough part of their schedule right now. So I think they'll get themselves squared away. As I mentioned earlier, Knicks win today. And um here's the thing with them. I know they won and, and Larry you shouldn't pick on them when they win a game, even though it's against the Cavaliers, but I'm going to anyway. And that is Julius Randle. So I'm picking on Julius Randle again. And the reason why I'm picking on Julius Randle again is because I'm seeing him revert to the habits that caused him to not be effective earlier in the season when the Knicks were really, really struggling. And that is him taking, bringing the ball up, trying to make a one-on-one move, not necessarily passing the ball early enough so the other players can make a move. In other words, he's got that point-forward mentality again. And when this team is at its best, so to speak, what they, they're the best at is when they move the ball and you have Alfred Payton starting your offense. Let him bring the, bring the ball up, set everybody up. That's his job. Okay. That's his job. And I know. He's a backup point guard. We know that around the league. He's not, he's no Chris Paul. Nobody's going to confuse the two. All right. But what I will say is he's the best point guard on your team. So let him do his job. And when he does, it just, it just flows better. It doesn't mean that the shots are going to go in. <laughs>
2: There's
1: no guarantee, but it does mean that it, the offense flows a little bit better. And that's what you like
0: you are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: I love it when you talk to me my coffee machine my coffee machine I love it when you talk to me my coffee machine my coffee machine
1: It's ESPN New York Tonight on ninety eight seven ESPN. Before I get to the calls, Jordan Renam was on with Freddie and Fitz talking about Jason Garrett as the uh you know offensive coordinator for the Giants. Here's the positives to it. Here's the positives. Here's a guy who's got head coaching experience in the National Football League, and he's part of a coaching establishment. Okay. And Joe Judge, who doesn't have head coaching experience. So you need somebody that's got head coaching experience on your staff. That's a good thing. So you like that. That's good. That's good. You like that you're going to turn and obviously they'll bring in a quarterback coach as well, but you like the fact that Garrett working with Daniel Jones is going to help him, help him understand as a quarterback. Okay, Jason Garrett as a quarterback in this league. a Couple of years with the Giant. He's going to be a guy that can help him. Help him understand what, what you're looking for. Help him understand and look at some of the things that you need to improve on. Help him mature. Help him get better. Make sure that he's on the same wavelength with him and call plays that makes him better. Plus side. He, who, he is familiar with the division. No question about that. He knows the division. Here's where I'm a little concerned if I would if I were a Giant fan. His play calling from time to time was stale. How about that for a phrase? I say it was a little stale. To the point that they brought somebody in to call the plays, to freshen them up a little bit with the young quarterback and making some moves. And I'm all for that. I think, I think it's okay just because you have an offensive background as a head coach or a defensive background doesn't mean that you have to call the plays all the time. You can sign off on them. You can counteract, say, "No, I don't want that. Come up with something else. I don't like that call." No problem with that. But I don't think that the head coach should have to call the plays all the time. Why? There's other things he should be doing. Because I've always felt that when the head coach is calling plays. It's like they're calling plays based on the situation of the game. As opposed to, you know what, this, we, let's, let's drive the ball down the field. Well, okay, I'm going to go conservative here because I can kick the ball away and then we can have a short, have a long, put them in a long field. I, I don't think you should do that sometimes. Sometimes I really think that you just let the offensive coordinator do it. How many times this year, Jet fans, did you see Adam Gay sitting alone? On the, on the bench when the defense was on the field. How many times do you see him sitting alone and trying to figure out what to do offensively? So while he's doing that, can I ask you guys a question? Who's the head coach? Who's making the decisions if it's, if it's, you know, fourth down, what are we going to do? Well, we interrupt him. Excuse me, coach, coach, excuse me. I know you're looking over the offensive play list for when the offense gets back on the field, but um what do you want to do here? <laughs> so I've always wanted, you've got the coordinator, let the coordinator make the calls. I got no problem with you saying, no, I don't want to do that, do something else. None. You're the head coach because here's the bottom line. It starts and ends with you. If there's a problem and your team is losing, the head coach gets the blame because the buck stops with you. Anyway, Jordan Renan was on with Freddie and Fitz, and um, he had an interesting thought about how important Jason Garrett is to Joe Judge. This
3: is a huge hire, right? I mean, you're talking about the guy that's going to be tasked with helping Daniel Jones grow. I mean, that, that is a big part of this job. I mean, this his hire is going to go a long way probably in determining how successful Joe Judge's head coach tenure is.
1: No question, because Daniel Jones is your franchise quarterback. So as he goes, so goes the franchise, right? He's the guy. He's the guy that you have identified to take you to that next level to take you to that place where you can be c- competitive consistently. That's what you want. That's what everybody wants. But Jordan says Garrett loves being offensive coordinator, but maybe he's got something else in mind.
3: What does concern me a little bit with this hire is, a, he hasn't, like I said before, he hasn't called plays in a long time but we don't really know what Jason Garrett is as a a head play caller at this point. And two, you have to think that Jason Garrett has aspirations to be a head coach again, right? He wanted to be in the head coaching market this offseason. So let's say the Giants have even a little bit of success. He's going to be in line to get a new job next year, right, as a head coach. And this is why it's risky. Now you're talking about Daniel Jones possibly having a third offensive coordinator in three years in the NFL. That's why it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Like, I understand... They wanted a guy with former head coaching experience. But there's a possibility, if they have any success, that they'll be looking for another offensive coordinator next year. Maybe they have one on staff or no
1: Interesting, right? And I guess then whoever the quarterback coach is could be considered that you would move him up and give him the promotion and keep Daniel Jones, if that should happen, on the same path. Where he's not trying to learn another, uh, you know, another philosophy, another scheme, a whole other playbook. So that's what you would hope, but it is interesting. It is interesting to see how this is going to turn out. And once again, there's plenty of positives with Jason Garrett, as I said, and Jordan mentioned him as well. Previous head coaching experience for a guy to help a head coach who doesn't have any. All right. Knows the division. Inside and out, up and down. But as Jordan agrees with me, the play calling situation has been an issue. I mean, when you have an offensive line the way they have built that offensive line, and for them to not have had more success than they've had, sometimes they don't run the ball when you think they should. Look, there's, there's reasons why, I'm sure. I don't, I'm not embedded with the Cowboys. I don't know everything that's going on there. But you would think, like this year, with the talent that team has, and listen, Gary didn't play, call the play, so you can't blame him. But with the talent that team had in the offensive line, how did they not make the postseason? How did they lose to the Jets? How did they lose, how did they be under 500, a 500 club? They're better than that. And has Dak Prescott, he's improved incrementally, but Do you still think he's the guy that can put the team on his back and march them down the field without the benefit of a running game? Without the benefit of of a strong Ezekiel Elliott, can Dak Prescott step back and carry week after week after week the Dallas Cowboys down the field? Hey, listen, that's an issue because now this guy is coming to work on your quarterback. You confident? Okay. I don't believe you. Convince me.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Dance what my dogs in the
1: nighttime. It's like pop. To be in New York tonight, to borrow a phrase from my colleague Alan, I'm in the daytime now with my new partner, Bart, Bart Scott Hahn. It's a buffet. Got a number of topics on here. Did you hear them today? They're good. They're good. I, I Bart, and I get to the calls in a second, I promise you. Bart <laughs> was so entertaining when he came to the Jets. I remember it because, you know, we we had just – we we had the uh Eric Mangini era where, you know, it was like – it was New England South. You know, it was stiff locker room, quiet, don't let anybody – people don't talk to the media, don't say much, don't give out any information. And by the way, if your agent – because – can I, can I take you inside? Let's go inside a little bit. Go inside radio. Pull the curtain back. Pull the curtain back. For a number of journalists who cover various teams as beats, sometimes the agent is an invaluable source, especially during contract negotiations or contract issues. Having a relationship with agents of players on the team that you're covering is very, very important. And Eric Mangini knew that. So if your agent, if there was something that came out in the media, and it was, and the the player didn't say it, but it was attributed to the player by the agent, the player got fined. Oh yeah, Eric would find them. He would find them. I remember Lavernius Cole's talking all the time about, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you gonna pay my fine? Then don't ask me that question because I can't answer it. You know I can't answer it. <laughs> so we had just finished with. A couple of years of that. And then, you know, we got Rex and you got Bart Scott coming in here. And Bart came in and one day he said, in the open locker room, said to me, come on over and get some of this juice. And he spilled. he, He was funny. He was witty. But the one thing you knew about him, and when you listen to him, you hear it. He's a smart man who knew the ins and outs of his craft. I would love and, and, um, I would love, love, and Chris Canty is the same way. I would love to sit down with them and break down video. Oh, I would love it. I, I would love to do that. I know, um, my good friend, the radio legend, Bill Daughtry used to do that with Canty when he was on with Han and Humpty and Chris would bring film in. And they'd be sitting in there breaking down film. Oh, it's great. It's great to be able to sit down and break, to see what the players see from their angle. And remember, they don't get the video you get. <laughs> they don't get the, the where's the ball video. They don't get the, the, the centerpiece where you see the offense and defense sideways. They get it from behind. They get it from behind the offense. So you see exactly what the quarterback is looking at. You see exactly what he sees. You see the movement. You see the defenders. You see the late shift. You see all this stuff. So it's great to watch that film. And Bart was very entertaining. But he was uh, as dominant, as uh, smart, as versatile a guy that you can have on your team. He was really good. Really good. Injury slowed him down in his latter years with the Jets. There's one injury he had. He showed us the shoe that he was wearing. We were just shaking our head. That was the year after he, you know, he he ended up leaving after that. But you know, it's a great listen. Allen and Bart, or Bart and Han, Monday through Friday from one to three here on ninety eight seven ESPN. Off to the phones one 3776 Tommy's in Jersey. Tommy lead us off on the ESPN New York tonight.
4: Hey Larry, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm all right, partner. What's happening?
4: Good, my man. I know you know the Knicks. Uh, I've been wanting to call all season, but just didn't get around to it. But I want to ask you a question, and then I'd love to make a statement. Okay. Last last season, the last one to two months of the season, uh-huh. who was the Knicks' best two-way player?
1: Dotson had some moments. Uh, Trier had some moments. Um, there's a couple of guys. Knox had some moments. There were a couple of guys that had some pretty good moments. Tommy,
4: all right. And in, in my opinion, and I watch the Knicks all the time, like mm-hmm. you do, and many many of the fans out there, I was, I'm, you know, Tisdale did an okay job. I wasn't too thrilled with him. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy with Miller and the direction he's going now.
1: What? Why but do you, Why me, do you like Miller, Tommy? I'll let you get to your point. What What is it about Miller you like?
4: You know what he he. He's putting. I know tonight wasn't a, wasn't a uh, an example of it, but I like that he doesn't automatically at the end of the game put guys back in the game because they're they're the guy okay. on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. He, he rewards guys who play properly. He rewards guys who listen. He rewards guys who who move the ball. Um, but but my whole reason for this call is hands down. In if I were the coach of the Knicks. The guy who played the best two-way basketball the last one to two months because he started to get a chance is Damian Dotson. Mm-hmm. And Damian Dotson is a lockdown defender. He is as good as Nilekina. Um, You know, Nilakina. while I like him, he tries, he's young. Everyone knows he's not the guy on the pick and roll. Just to go around the pick and roll and hit the jumper, hit the jumper consistently. Dotson can do that. Dotson's a lockdown defender. The few minutes that he gets to play this season, you see him defensively. You see how he fights over, under picks. You see how he switches. You see how he plays the passing lane. And on offense, he comes down, and Randall has the ball as a point forward, as you mentioned earlier. They throw Dotson in the right corner in the, you know to set up for the three. Mm-hmm. He's never involved. He's never in there. And I'm... People may not believe me or want to listen to me, but I'm telling you, if Dotson had 30 minutes a game, he's two to three years away from being an All-Star because he plays both sides of the court. He plays defense, he plays offense, and I challenge anybody to watch him. The next time he's on the court, you just watch him and key on him. He is an absolutely smart ball player. Trier, Trier was an offensive juggernaut last year, but he didn't play the defense that Dotson does, so I really I don't have a problem with him not getting that much run. Uh-huh. Dotson is hands down the best two-way player. He's not the best defender. He's not the best offensive player. Hands down the best two-way player on the Knicks, and they need to give this kid 27 to 30 minutes a game. Their defense will absolutely improve. Their uh, average points a game that they give up will come down maybe three to five points, which is tremendous in the game. And I just I hope somebody's listening out there because this kid is two to three years from being an all star if he gets thirty minutes a game. And he's suffering on the end of the bench right now. And I'll tell you
1: okay. this Tommy and thanks for the phone call. He's a very good he's a good rebounder as a guard too. The problem is and, and I think it's it's a lot of matchups in the NBA and there's some problems with him uh being on the court for more minutes. I think you can get away with him with a certain amount of minutes depending on the matchups. Some minutes he may get more. The thing that's you're seeing from him is he had an injury where he had some surgery done in the off season and he really is not hitting his shot the way he did last year. But you you see I mean he went through a couple of games this week. I mean, he was struggling. He couldn't buy a basket. Today was better. You this is more of the Damian Dotson that that you know we've come to be used to and we saw last year to your point. Uh but the biggest problem with him right now is, yeah, it's playing time, but it's, it's just getting comfortable again. It's getting a rhythm. It's being able to hit shots. And listen, if you're Mike Miller, you're trying to win games. So you're, you're trying to be and show that you can be the head coach of this team going forward. You want to be considered as one of the head coach or head coach of this jo- of this team. And part of that means that you got to win some games. So if there's a situation where he's not hitting and the team is struggling offensively, Tommy, you can't stay with him. He's got to go and try to get another option to see if there's somebody else who can do a little bit better who will be able to, uh, you know, get some points on the board for him. 1-800-919-3776. Jason's in Rockland. Hey, Jason, you're next on eight seven. Yeah, hi, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. What's up, Jay? First of all,
5: listen to what Tommy says. He's totally true about Damian Dox. Yep. And also, just
1: by changing change the topic, I love the Jason Garrett hire. Okay. Do you well, love it? Well, you know what? Like I said, and thanks for the call, I like part of what Jason Garrett's going to bring to the table. If I'm a Giant fan, that's what I would like. Experience, knows the division, so on and so forth. My only concern is, and Jordan Renan shares the same concern I have, I'm just concerned about... His play calling, what's the play calling going to be like? Because he has not played, he has not called plays in a while. And that's not a bad thing because, like I said earlier, I don't know that offensive, I don't know that head coaches should call plays. I think they should be in the position where they're in on the game plan, they know what's happening, and they have the final veto call. I think that's okay. But I don't think this should. I think it distracts them. I think it. I think that they call plays based on get the 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 overall game as opposed to right this minute. Does that make sense, ladies and gentlemen? In other words, I think whereas an offensive guy would just say, "You know what? Look, we're going to move the chains here. Let's just go." It's late in the game. The head coach is like, "Well, if I call this play, I want to call a play. So if we don't get it, I'm putting it in the position of." I'm protecting my defense. Whereas the offensive guys, like, I'm I'm getting a first down. My mindset is we're getting a first down when we call this play. And if it doesn't work out, the defense will figure it out.
0: You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's ESPN New York Tonight here on 9870 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. I'm just um on Twitter during the break and a couple of people had tweeted me and asked me to look at a video that shows um former NBA player Delonte West. And it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. And this in the wake of I get to calls in a second. This in the wake of really what we've seen from Antonio Brown and some of the things that he's done, including his recent uh, video that he put out on Instagram last week of him uh, verbally berating police as uh, his kid's mom and the kids were getting into the police car. Um, and we, I mentioned Kevin Love earlier and we talked, talk about, and you'll see the connection I'm going with. And you see the connection of, of, of Kevin Love talking about the depression that he has as a player that he deals with and some of the issues that you wonder and you look at players and you're like mentally, what's going on? What's, what's happening? What, what is, what is the deal? And clearly, um, when you look at Delonte West, and they, this was this was a video, as I mentioned on Twitter, there were articles recently—well, not recently, but late last season—that he was living under. He was homeless. And he was living under a bridge. Uh, this, these are the things that the various players' associations in these leagues have to do a little better job at trying to make sure that their, their folks are okay. You know, we we hear once a Nick, always a Nick. We hear giant for life. We hear different, you know, taglines like that. And oftentimes, you know, out of sight, out of mind, once the player is not with the team, once he's not in the league, we just lose track of him. But there's got to be a way where the players' associations do a little better job, to be quite honest. And how they try to keep up with their constituents, even after they no, no longer play the game. It, it's it's a very disturbing video. This is clearly, if this is indeed the West, if this is really him, he he's suffered a very bad mental breakdown, and it's really really tragic to see. Bruce is in flushing. Hey, Bruce, you're next on 98.7 ESPN.
6: Hey, Larry, I'm um, talking about Jason Garrett and talk about a Hall of Fame mistake that Brandon Taney brought up on Sunday. First on on Garrett, this is the reason why I love the hiring. If I asked you what was a staple of the Dallas offense for the last 20 years, you would say what? Quarterbacks. Well, in particular, I'm talking about screen pass. Yeah, From oh, plays, so, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a staple, in, and the Giants never throw a screen pass. And, no, what, and what Garrett can bring to this giant offense is the screen pass, plus using Barkley more as a receiver coming mm-hmm. out of the
1: backfield. Agreed. Agreed.
6: And that's, what, that's what's that's what been missing for the last couple of years in this giant offense.
1: I agree. I
6: agree. Uh, uh, I don't want Jason Witten back as a tight end, which was some talk about today. Now, as a coach, yeah, fine. I have no problem. But don't bring him back as, as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the, the Brandon t- t- attorney t- point, point um, he brought up yesterday, Drew Pearson.
1: Mm. Why is Drew Pearson not in the Hall of Fame? I have no idea. I have no idea.
6: I mean, we can go through the list of people who's already in the Hall of Fame and people on the list to be in the Hall of Fame, and I bet you w- we can point out 20 guys that Drew Pearson's better n- than those guys.
1: Yep. No question. No question. You get no argument with me. I remember watching him because at that time in high school, Bruce, I was I was uh in engulfed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And who did Pittsburgh play every time in the Super Bowl? The Dallas Probably. Cowboys. Right. And who did I see time after time making big catches on a very talented secondary? Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt. Uh very talented secondary. Right. Drew Pearson.
6: Right. He <laughs> made the catch for the third down, he made it. He always made the touchdown pass. Yes. And what was it? Remember the play against the Vikings?
1: Who caught that pass? It's Drew Pearson. He should be in the Hall. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And Brandon is right on point with it. Right on point.
6: And one last point about the Hall of Fame. Yes. I'm glad Alex Karras made the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
6: That was, you know, whatever the gambling thing, you know, he didn't gamble. guess he just gambled on other sports or whatever, but... That was a guy who was a true football giant, a true Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And is he still alive or did he pass away?
1: I'm not sure, Bruce. I'm not I'm not really sure. But I will say this, and this is the one thing, and you know this very well because you've been following sports a long time. Thanks for the phone call. The NFL Hall of Fame is not as pretentious as the baseball hall of fame. Okay, it's not. It just it just isn't. It just isn't. They don't have stipulations. I mean, Paul Horning is in the NFL Hall of Fame, and he had gambling issues too that were attributed to him. So, you know, baseball's a little different. You know, America's pastime, a little different. The NFL is a little more broader in their scope, but there is no question that Drew Pearson belongs in the Hall of Fame. Clutch receiver, clutch receiver in big moments he belongs in the hall and I felt bad watching his reaction I felt bad for him because he was sorely disappointed sorely John in North Bergen what's up John how you doing Larry I'm what's all right John going what's on, going on friend? partner
7: not much um just chiming in um again I always agree with what you always say my friend um as far as my Giants, but I don't agree with what everybody's saying about the Jason Garrett. Okay. Um, you know, you said it before, you know. he had, the, the main part is that he hasn't been calling calls for, what, two years over?
1: It might be a little longer and, than that.
7: It's been a while. Okay, and not only that, but as a head coach for – Nine years in Dallas with the team he had, with the roster, with the squad, with the Pro Bowlers, with the they had a, a the best offensive line for years, mm-hmm. and he couldn't do nothing. So I don't understand that part. Like, why wasn't he the man? Why wasn't he calling plays? But not only that, Larry. Um, it's also been saying that Jason Garrett developed. Tony Romo. I don't believe that. I believe it was Bill Parcells because it was Bill Parcells who saw something in Tony Romo and he found a gem with him. So he developed him. But when Jason Garrett came, he was just like the manager. He was just maintaining.
1: Well, I I, I think what he did, John, to be fair to Jason Garrett, and I understand what you're saying. And thanks for the phone call. Uh, I think what happens is yes, Parcells spotted him. Parcells liked him. Uh, we know that, uh, Jerry Jones loved him, (laughs) as Stephen A likes to say, like a, like a, like a son. Uh, but it was Jason Garrett that helped develop him. It was Jason Garrett that helped work with him. It was Jason Garrett that worked with him on the fine, on fine tuning his game and taking some other things so that he could make him even better than what he was. So I think that's where you give Jason Garrett the credit. And if you're a Giant fan, you hope that he could do that same thing for Daniel Jones, that he, as a former quarterback, understands what, indeed, Daniel Jones got to do, understands what he he's thinking, understands what he sees on the field. And once he gets involved with him and works with him and understands and sees the good things that he brings to the table and the things he has to work on, then you slant your playbook, you slant your playbook to the better things that he does. Okay. Your job is to put your quarterback in the best position to be successful and effective by doing things that make, that, that work for him, especially early in games. And then as he gets better, you stretch out the playbook, you demand more form, more from him. But I think in the beginning, because he's going to be learning a new offense, that will be the trick for Jason Garrett. From that standpoint, I think he'll be fine. The play calling, we'll wait and see.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Joel, over under 70.
0: Oh, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually have to stop and think about it.
0: I could see, I could see 40-35. Right? I could see it low scoring. I could yep. see it high scoring. Yep. And for a degenerate, I'm staying far away from yeah, that I one.
1: I know. I know. But it's, it, it's interesting because see, here's the thing. You look at the defense and you look at the Niners defense, which is stout, dominant. But how are they going to handle that speed in the secondary? Who's going to stay with Hill? Who's going to stay with Watkins? Kelsey. How? How? How do you do that? I mean, this team scores like boom, done. They just march that. Go back and look at Tennessee's a really good defense. They were scoring like what? One, two, three plays? Bam. And then there's Frisco. A little ground and pound action, but they can throw it too. They have to throw it yesterday. What? Well, six of eight for 70, 74 yards? That's outstanding. That's outstanding. That's good work if you can get it. So we're talking about the Super Bowl, your thoughts about that. We're talking about the Giants and their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, what you like, what you don't like. Uh We're talking about the Knicks, the Nets, and we've been talking, also mentioned about um the situation with the video I saw on Twitter, which appears to be Delonte West, and it's It's very sad. It's very, very sad. So a number of things for you to talk about here, 1-800-919-3776. Chris is in Manhattan. Hey, Chris, thanks for holding. You're next on 98.7.
8: How you doing, Larry? Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Uh first
8: first if you don't if you don't mind, I wanna uh send a shout out to Trey. Uh happy belated birthday. Uh I haven't got a chance to talk to him. Um my man, um there was a did and uh a prayer. If that is Delante lesson, that was part of the reason why I sent that out. because uh, I was trying you know, trying to get your ver- verification. Uh I'm I'm gonna pray for that man. Uh, moving forward, uh, you had me crying when you were talking about Adam Gates sitting on the bench alone, trying to figure <laughs> out the offense during jet games. Something that I don't think, and I don't think I've ever seen out of Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan. Mm-mm. Too often, I mean, and we we've been talking about offensive geniuses all year and play calling and imagination and these. Two, I mean, these two dudes, man. Look, I'm not I'm not the jealous type, but but cause Gracious, I I would love Kyle Shanahan to be my head coach right about now, but that's another story for another day. Um this this Super Bowl is gonna be interesting. It is. Uh, I mean you you just but they're gonna have to protect Patrick Mahomes, man. The way the way them, them four guys. Yeah. Yep. Four. When was the last time you seen just four? Get after the quarterback like
1: Zach. Giants. Gotta go back to the Nascar package. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not be the closest, I mean, the closest. Not exactly, but that's the closest thing. Yeah, I
8: mean, but that four right there is not a joke. No, nope. I mean, they so, are not. So, so that part is going to be um, interesting. The other part is the other And This is this it, 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 like San Francisco t- takes me to Trench Town because the defensive line just will chase your quarterback and his family. Mm-hmm. Then you got the offensive line that's just dominant, Larry. This dude was running through holes that you could drive a truck through. It, it, I, I mean, when 226 yards? And, I mean, it, it wasn't like Barry Sanders. Like, no, you no, like, no, 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 no. You no. dipping in dodging. No, it, it was a big, huge hole there that you could drive a car through.
1: I said um, last uh, night, Chris, that yeah. myself, Joel, and Giselle could run through sideways, the three of us side by side. Yep. That's how big those holes were.
8: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. So I mean that. That's gonna be. But you know, again, you know how the, how they cover. You know, uh, you know Hill, Hill, Watkins, Williams out the backfield. I don't know. You know. So, so I mean, it's a, I, you know, it's gonna
1: it's gonna be interesting. Um, See the the fun thing, like you, and just think about what you said, Chris. Yeah. How you can spread out Frisco's defense. Yeah, you can spread them out. Mm-hmm. So now that you're worried about, and and here's the one thing that they do that's really good that Patrick Mahomes really has to work at. You're right when you talk about got to protect him. They contain the quarterback. You'll see quarterbacks get outside on them.
8: No, no, nah. no, and if they try, they chase you down. Yep, that's right. Um, if I if I could say one thing about Drew Pearson, yeah, that that's crazy.
1: It's, it's unbelievable
8: Dad how, how you make the all-decade team, and and I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan um, growing up too, so I I would have to add uh, Mike Wagner, mm-hmm. you know, who was one of our safeties, and and yep. uh, Dwayne Woodruff, yep. you know, who was another corner, yep. And like you said, Drew Pearson was always showing up, and if I'm not mistaken, um, you could be a wide receiver up then. That's right. So some of these inflated numbers, not only for quarterbacks. You know, but for wide receivers, uh, okay. But uh, you put them back in that era where you know, you, you, shoot, you got Lester Hayes beating you up. You got, right.
1: and you, you went got, over the middle, Chris. You oh, you what, went, went, went over, over the, the middle. middle for what? <laughs> for what for what? For what? Yep, you went for over the, the middle, and, and you went over the middle praying, and and if you had a bad quarterback who made you stretch out over the middle. Not good. Chris. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 That's
8: alligator arms. Yep. yep. That's, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. You know. You matter of fact, you stretch. Look, that's when you run back to the huddle. You could, yeah, I wish you would throw a ball like that again, man. You mean me and you? We gonna we gonna have, we gonna have some, we going we going we gonna have some things back in the locker room. You know? Because come on, man. I mean, you talking about Atkinson? I mean, we we yeah, can go back to things that. Who, who were like who? Who were looking at? How does Shaq say barbecue chicken?
1: That's right. That's right. I wish you would come like, over. Like, like the late Bernie Mac said, there would be some furniture moving in there." That's and you right. You come back, and just throw that ball over there like that again. Last thing, yes, because I, I heard you.
8: Uh, I heard you talking uh, about Jason Garrett, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I, you know, look, I'm, I'll, I'll sit back, and I'm sitting back. And I'm, I, I want to hear you and Trey go 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 at that. I, I want to hear you and Trey have a conversation about Jason Gatt. That's what I'm looking forward to. Listen, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, when you're on next, man, I'm, I'll hit you up, man. All right,
1: we got we got uh, Chris. Thanks for the phone call. We got a four week of shows this week. Yeah, four week of shows. I get to look at Joel and Nikki and yeah, I get to see everybody this week. Rarely. It's rare that I get to see everybody. During this time of year, rare that I get to see everybody every day. But we have that this week. So let me talk to Mike in Queens. Hey, Mike, you're next on
5: 98.7. Good evening, Larry. How are you? What's up, Mike? Um, Larry, bear with me here, man. You got to bear with me on this one, one Uh But Larry, you know, when it comes to New York sports, I gave up my fandom years ago because I just can't take it anymore. But the one thing that I do support... The Islanders, Larry, the, the the Giants hiring Garrett. I mean, if they hire him as the head coach, God help us. They hire him as the offensive coordinator. Larry, when he was in Dallas, was he known for the play calling of Dallas? I mean, if anything, didn't we always talk about Dak Prescott? Was it a one-year one? Or didn't we always wonder how good Prescott could be? Didn't we always wait to see him go to his full potential? So if Jason Garrett couldn't maximize uh, the, the Dallas QB, what's his name? I just said uh, uh, whatever his name is. If he had to getting mm-hmm. that young guy up to speed, getting his uh, max potential, I just don't see why they hired him. I mean, I, I okay, you want you want the head coach experience, but if you want. The head coach experience. then so why not hire Mike McCarthy as the head coach? I mean, this makes no sense. How can you say, "Oh, you need Garrett as the OC because he has head coach experience, and our guy has none"? Then why didn't you hire a guy that has experience? So you don't have to hire a guy like Garrett. I mean, if you hire McCarthy, who has experience, then then you don't need the OC to be a former head coach. I just, just whatever they say. It's just Larry. Like I'm so sick of when people speak. They say nothing. I'm so sick of, tired of when people speak to me, they say stuff, and I just don't understand it. I'm tired of it, Larry. That's what I hear. People speak and i it's nonsense, Larry. New York Sports is nonsense. Nobody, it doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm tired, Larry. Why can't I? Why can't people speak to me, and why can't they make sense? I'm done.
1: Well, Mike, part of it, and thanks for the phone call, and I understand your frustration, part of it is because they want to give you, they just want you to, they want to give you reasons so you won't ask anymore. <laughs> you know, they just didn't want McCarthy. Maybe they didn't want to give up. I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they didn't want to give up the power. Maybe they wanted to go with a younger guy. You know, I don't know. But he would have been my choice. But see, once again, that's my philosophy. And I understand that, that it's, you know, the young baseball and football are doing this young thing. Once again, the young, the young guy off the, off the, uh, staff that's won games. Okay. Uh, Okay. It's good for me. And I heard Carlin talking about it as far as the Mets are concerned. You guys know how I feel about that. Give me a guy that's won rings. That's who I want. That's who I want running my team. Give me a guy who's won rings. And if you give me a guy who's won rings in multiple places, I want him even more because that tells me that he can win rings under different conditions. That's my goal. That's why I was talking about Girardi for the Mets. He's got, he's got hardware. That's why we're talking about Sherwalter. Walter. has got experience. He knows what to do. Especially in this situation with the Mets, where you're you're looking at spring training once again. Quoting my my guy Chris Berman, tick 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 tick. (laughs) Okay, Super Bowl's in two weeks. Week ten days after that is pitchers and catchers. Hello, can we get this done? Are you talking to somebody? Just tell me. Look, just at least somebody tell me
0: the Mets are talking to somebody. I'll be happy. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, it was completely unacceptable. when Those two fumbles that he had, the center exchange right. and then the strip sack mm-hmm. and his lack of effort to get the ball... You're the leader of the franchise. It's completely unacceptable. And when you look at the other side of the ball, guys, the San Francisco 49ers running game had 99 yards after contact. I think those two things are 100% relatable. When you don't see your leader either winning or dying trying, and that's the standard to get to a championship, I think that permeated to the whole team yesterday, and it was completely unacceptable.
1: Our Mike Tannenbaum, strong words on Golik and Wingo this morning here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to ESPN New York Tonight. That was for Trey, talking about Aaron Rodgers, who is hurting today.
3: It's a little raw right now, for sure. It definitely hurts, I'd say, a little more than early in the career. Just because you realize just how difficult it is to get to this spot. Just kind of felt like it was uh, meant to be, almost. So that is a little disappointing. A little more disappointing. And then you realize, you know, you know, I don't have the same number of years ahead of me as I do behind me. So slightly more this he's morning.
0: a bad man
1: he was awful yesterday in that first half awful awful and Tannenbaum hit it the the interception the two fumbles that's not the same guy who people considered the best quarterback in the NFL yes I know that everybody has days but not like that Dominic's in Arizona. Hey, Dominic, you're next on
9: 98.7. Yeah, I wanted to um, talk about the Giants and the Chiefs. Okay. So the Giants, I feel like they, they brought Garrett in because, they, uh, what's his name, Joe Judge don't live up to expectations. They got somebody to fall back on, you know. It, it wasn't a bad move, but then you got to see how the outcome is, how, how everything comes, mm-hmm. like how everything is. Because it's a new franchise, a new team. You can't really go back from the past. You know, we know he's not a good play caller. Yeah, but we give him a chance. At least we made a move on somebody that has a say of a big name in that coaching category. You know, we'd rather see him as a head coach than an offensive coordinator, but we'll take it.
1: But But, but he, here's the I understand what you're saying, Dominic, but here's the thing. All that is taken into consideration when you're deciding that you want to turn your young quarterback over to him. If you're turning your if if you're gonna say, Well listen, you know, his play calling is not that great. Then, then, then you shouldn't bring him over here to work with your young, your young quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I, I know you're saying you've bet off as a head coach. Uh, I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I'm really surprised that the Giant fans are so forgiving to ha- as much as they despise Dallas, Dominique. I am very surprised at how forgiving the Giant fans have been about having Jason Garrett on this team. Even though I know he used to play for the Giants, I understand. But he's yeah. he's been the hated rival of your hated Cowboys. And most yeah. Giants fans are just like, yeah, okay, well, he's here. That's all right. We we good. So I'm surprised. What's your Kansas City point?
9: <laughs> McDaniels, McDaniels, he, our station, they should have gave him a chance, man. I'm so sad about that one. But the Chiefs, I called it. I was telling the people around. I called it. I said Baltimore is going to choke. Kansas City is going to get there. And, at, and right now I'm saying it uh, to me. I think the Chiefs got it. Andy Reed got a good play, good play call in. He there. He got it. And I feel like they're going to take it.
1: You might be, listen, I like Dominique, I tell you, thanks for the phone call. They got a heck of a chance. I mean, it's, I mean, the way they score points, I keep saying it. It's impressive. What was it? There was a stat that Dan Olafsky had on first take this morning. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in the vicinity of it, but I think he said they've scored, they've scored on 13 of their last 17 drives. It's unbelievable. And most of them been in the postseason. They've scored on 13 of the last 17, something like that. That's, that's, wow. That's all I got to say. Wow. Charlie's in Woodside. What's up, Chuck? Hey, Larry. Good evening. How you doing? All right. What's going on, my friend?
10: Uh well, I, I well before I get to my main point, I got two cool quick things. I get it done.
1: Uh-huh.
10: I heard in the broadcast somewhere in that game, Richard Jefferson, what a clown! And Glaber Torres was attending the game. Yes, do you even know that that clown doesn't even know Glaber Torres. Shame on you, Richard Jefferson. Uh, I mean, you should be talking basketball. Don't you even mention anything about baseball. Don't talk about baseball, football. Period. And the Astros over the weekend, whatever Altuve say, will get, I mean, essentially guarantee a World Series.
1: Here, here, here. Charlie, here's what he said.
6: Believe me, in the end of the year, everything will be fine. We're going to be in the World Series oh, again. Shut up. Uh, people don't believe it. We will. You know, we will like no, we no, made no. it last year. We were one game away uh, of winning it all. You know, I'm happy for the Nationals. They, they won everything they're a really good team they deserve it but we'll be in the world series again maybe with them maybe with another team
9: oh that
10: really that really ticked me off nobody it's not about nobody's believing you people know all everybody know that you y'all cheated people hate you period so uh uh, Larry
1: yes I'm here I'm here yeah no I'm enjoying Uh you go ahead (laughs) <laughs> i wanted to let you get your hate out without disturbing you.
10: go ahead well so uh i know tomorrow's the the hall of fame ballot is gonna be released and of course i think jeter's gonna get in of course i mean guarantee that i mean this is a guarantee 100 get in but the problem is it go-
1: is, is it gonna be unanimous
10: that's, i don't in my mind there's one or two like fools gonna like um not <laughs> i mean what is that not gonna bow him i think he's like over uh rate ra- ra- him because I think there's a lot few shortstop that's better than Jeter, like Ernie Banks, uh, Kyle, Kyle Ripken, and of course I mean, hey, a-, 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 a Rod. But when he was a shortstop, Honus Wagner, something was better. But and there's like a range. Like I mean, he on I mean, his range was uh, what is that limited? Mm-hmm. And I mean, his closest MVP. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, winning MVP was the 0-6 when he should have won. And hey,
1: hey, oh, Charlie I mean, was, was Nomar better.
10: Uh, uh, uh uh Omar Biscal, you talking about Omar Biscal? No
1: more Garcia Para.
10: No more Garcia Para. I don't think so because here's what I think Jeter uh, if he gets unanimous. I think his postseason, because he was so big in the po- po- postseason. Yep. You remember uh, two thousand one MVP, I mean World Series MVP. And so big what, defensive plays November. too,
1: Charlie. Big defensive plays like the play in Oakland that we've seen over and I over and over again. I mean
10: I think those are the things that I think really, uh, really stands out here, just like Mariano, and like, of course, in the regular season, mm-hmm. and he also been in the postseason. That's why uh, I think a ho- a hopefully it's 100%, but I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't have the same conviction that I have with Mariano last mm-hmm. year where Mariano's, the, I mean, the sole, I mean, he was, the, oh, he was the dominant, absolute dominant in this, like, position in terms of closing games. Jeter, uh, Jeter, I think this few two of them are better than him. so. We'll see how it happens, Larry. We'll see how it happens. It, it is going to be 100%. interesting.
1: It is going to be interesting, Charlie. And thanks for the phone call. And I said it earlier. How many times during his career that we saw the article? Players think Derek Jeter's is overrated. So if players think Derek Jeter is overrated. If players say that he wouldn't be the same player, but he's playing for a team, a Yankee team that's so good they win, what three out of four years they won championships. So he was. They made him a product of the team. So there's, there's no doubt in my mind. There's going to be one or two folks, probably, you know, the Moose Gazette in Montana or something like that. That's gonna have a guy's gonna say no, not first, but no, it's not first ballot, not for me. Yeah, he right, but he's not first ballot, not first ballot. And you look at him. I mean, Michael. K, I, I hear Michael Kay in my head right now screaming. He is Mr. November with the home run. I, you know, I'm. It's it's like Charlie said and Trey said it in big moments in the postseason. This guy was clutch. He was huge. And he may not have been a great defensive shortstop, but he didn't have that many errors in the season. He wasn't, he, he may not have been great, but he was pretty good. He didn't lose any games with Derek Jeter because Derek Jeter was playing shortstop. Okay, that's not why you lost. He was good. No question he's a Hall of Famer, and I think he should be first ballot. But I agree with, uh, I agree with Charlie and Woodside. There's going to be some folks who don't have the same respect for him as they have for Mariano Rivera. Because with Mariano, there was no question. It was like, every time he came in, he did his job. One or two exceptions, of course. Unfortunately, I'm not going to mention them to Yankee fans because I don't want to open any old wounds. But there were one or two occasions. But other than that, he, de- he deserved to be unanimous. He was the ultimate closer. He was the best whoever did it. And it's not close. It's not close.
0: You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.